with a website that gives you some real excitement without charging you by the minute. It really is a lot of fun. TalkZone.com. Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Medical myths abound, whether you hear them from friends, family, or online. It's not a good idea to trust what you hear, because it could kill you. With the facts, here's InfoTrack's Taryn McCall. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Dr. Nancy Snyderman, Chief Medical Editor at NBC News. She's also author of the new book, Medical Myths That Can Kill You, and the 101 Truths That Will Save, Extend, and Improve Your Life. Welcome to InfoTrack, Dr. Snyderman. Thanks, Karen. Good to be with you. One of the oldest myths in my memory is that your heart stops whenever you sneeze. True or false? Isn't that fascinating? I think the thought has been that when you sneeze, it's with such force that your heart, maybe even the universe, skips a beat. And, of course, people have thought that a little bit of your soul escaped to the heavens, but none of it's true. How did these myths get started? Well, you know, some of them are just lore, and some of them are observational. You know, for instance, the idea that a woman's menstrual cycle would cycle with the moon has a little bit of myth and a little bit of truth in it, because we are on a lunar cycle. And the fact that women, when they live together, cycle. Well, in fact, it's true, because pheromones start to regulate a woman's cycle in a community. So some of these have been passed down by sheer observation, and then there are others, our grandmothers telling us that if we don't wear a jacket when we go out in the cold, we're going to get pneumonia. The observation was that people who were poorly clothed in the dead of winter got sick. But in fact, it wasn't the clothing. It was that they were drawn inside against the elements and in overcrowded areas in the dead of winter would transfer germs more readily from one person to another. So it was really hand washing that got people sick, not the cold weather. We know how important childhood vaccinations are, speaking about health. Many adults feel we're safe from those childhood diseases. Do adults need the same kinds of vaccinations that children get? We need follow-ups, and that's why you see boosters about for tetanus. And if you travel internationally, you may even get a booster for measles or polio. Increasingly, though, we're changing the nature of vaccines from shots that prevent illness, like in kids and toddlers, to things that can keep us safe. Pneumonia, influenza, meningitis, the new vaccine for HPV, which guards against cancer of the cervix, and a new one intended for people over the age of 60 for shingles, which is a terrible infection anybody who's ever had chicken pox is prone to. And increasingly in science and in the cancer world, you're going to hear about more and more vaccines that can ward off cancer and, in fact, treat cancer that perhaps has already spread. Areas of nutrition, including cancer and other health issues, mental health, are rife with myths, and these can be dangerous, too. Many herbs and supplements claim to be all-natural. Do these really equate with beneficial? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. No matter what you put in your mouth, a pharmaceutical drug, aspirin, an herb, there's a consequence to everything you take. So at least know what you're taking. I'm a firm believer that for most of us, the vitamins and minerals should come from a good diet. If you don't get a good diet, then supplement accordingly. There's a lot of concern now that 
the fishes we get are farmed and may not have enough omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, so perhaps we should supplement. The problem is one company's brand doesn't necessarily have the same active ingredient as another's. And there are always supplements that are going to be the fat of the day. Right now, vitamin D is the hot vitamin. Seems to be protected against heart disease and cancers, and it's good for your bones. And I think overall, probably a pretty darn good vitamin. But remember that it wasn't that long ago that everyone was talking about vitamin C warding off colds, which we know isn't true, vitamin A, which in too big a doses can hurt you, and even things like ephedra and tryptophan, which were hot topics five and ten years ago, are now off the market. So if you're going to consume something that comes from your health food store, be a smart consumer and make sure you have some guidance in that store from someone who knows what he or she is talking about. And the diet supplement market is huge. I was shocked to read in your book that 49% of people don't practice any form of exercise, which probably explains why the diet supplement market is huge. Yeah, and we've become a nation of give it to me in the pill because the rest of it just seems too hard to do. But if you just eat a decent diet and don't smoke and get a reasonable amount of water and just go for a walk every day, you're ahead of the game. I was going to ask what some simple steps are to get people moving. I think the easiest thing to do is look around you and figure out what you can do without. For most people, it's an elevator. Walk up the steps and skip the elevator. Get out of your car and walk. Instead of looking for the best parking spot in the mall, park as far away as you can and walk. Those simple little things and aiming for 10,000 steps a day will help you drop weight. It's always hardest to get started, but once you get moving in any kind of exercise program... And I think it's that barrier of, oh my God, I've got to start today, I'll join the gym. Forget it. Just get out and do something simple. Nothing has to be an overnight success. Just chip away at it. Still, with the cost of health care and insurance so high, calling a doctor is not the first thing people think of. We have made medicine in this country so ridiculously difficult, and the landscape is rather inhospitable to the point that people don't turn to doctors first off. They search the web, try to figure it out themselves, and reluctantly turn to the doctor when they either can't treat themselves well or they just can't figure it out. I'm a big believer in using the web when needed, not only as a phenomenal source of support in chat rooms and support groups, but also as a way of finding information. But then you still have to have a physical body, someone in the medical system who's going to be your advocate. Because on a good day, you just want someone to check in with. But on a bad day, and there always will be for somebody, you have to have a pit bull who's going to fight for you. We all need advocates. Even those of us who are doctors, when we get sick, we need someone who will speak up for us. Are there resources that financially stressed people can use to get treatment before the condition deteriorates? Yeah, there are. I mean, it is one of the sad parts of American medicine right now that we're watching our community and city hospitals slip away hospital by hospital. And when we access the system sicker and later, it's more expensive. Even people who don't have health insurance can access our local county and public hospitals. But we, the taxpayers, support that in the long run. So it behooves all of us to make sure that people 
stay healthier longer and access the system before there's a crisis. We're speaking with Dr. Nancy Snyderman of NBC News and author of the new book, Medical Myths That Can Kill You. Now, to end on a down note, you do have some very uplifting stories in the book of patients who really took control over their illnesses and have come out on the other end a whole you lot know, I've better. I've always said that doctors learn from their patients. We learn a lot in medical school, but we really learn medicine from nurses, and then we learn our humanity and our life lessons from our patients. And I've had some extraordinary teachers along the way, patients who really taught me how to be a good doctor. And there are a lot of their stories in there, along with things that people may not recognize that, you know, are those funny little myths that have come into our lives. You really don't need eight glasses of water a day, even though we all think we do. So that should give someone a chance to sort of pause and not have to run to the bathroom so much today. And I think, if anything, it's important to know that myths and folklore are part of medicine and healing. They've been with us for centuries, and they're part of what makes medicine fun. But as patients, we have to really be in control of our own lives. This is not a system that's going to take good care of us. So know stuff ahead of time, and then combine that intellect and the smarts that we all have with our gut. And if you know you're at risk for something and your gut is saying someday, you know, I don't feel well, but oh well, I'll check it out tomorrow. You don't have that luxury. Check it out today because otherwise there may not be a tomorrow. Thank you so much, Dr. Snyderman. The book is Medical Myths That Can Kill You and the 101 Truths That Will Save, Extend, and Improve Your Life. I like what you say in the back of the book. See you at 90. Yes, I plan on sticking around for a long time. Me too. And you have a website online? BeWell.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much Thank for being with so us much. today. What a pleasure. I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.